welcome to the first episode of the Boldly Go podcast. I am so excited that you're here. My name is Missy Young. I'm your host. And the goal of this podcast is to help inspire you to take the next bold step, whether it's in faith or in your relationships or in your life. I believe that all of us were created for a purpose and sometimes taking steps towards living out that purpose can be pretty scary, pretty risky and pretty exhilarating. Sometimes all of those feelings at once and what looks bold for me might be different for you and that's okay. We're all at different places on our journey. I'm going to be speaking with some pretty amazing people who also want to inspire you to take that next bold step. And the guy I have on this podcast, Bob Goff, has probably taken more bold steps than literally anyone I know. Bob is a best-selling author. You may have read some of his books, Love Does, or Everybody Always, or Dream Big. He is the founder of an organization called Love Does, which builds and operates schools for kids in uh, some pretty dangerous areas in the world. Uh, he's got schools in Africa and the Middle East and other places. And he also operates a magical place in Southern California called The Oaks, which is a retreat for anybody who wants to come and get back in touch with themselves and find their purpose. Bob calls himself the chief balloon inflator, which I think is just the greatest title ever. And he loves helping other people to dream big and find their calling. So thanks again for joining and let's tune in to my conversation with Bob Goff. Hi, Bob. I am so stoked to have you here on my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Are you kidding me? This is so fun. I get to see you and uh, we get to talk about stuff that matters. Yeah. So for the, the few people that might not have ever heard of Bob Goff, could you give us sort of a just a quick overview, a snapshot of your journey that led you to this point in the life of, that you're leading. Yes, I'm the gardener. I was actually out weeding uh, behind the house and we have a little path where people walk around, hold hands and they're walking down the path and they said, oh, are you the gardener? And I said, I am. And then, uh, so that's me. I've like, I love growing things. I really, as you think about that, it's like, people and I love schools for kids overseas, particularly women, to give women educations that don't have them. I used to be a lawyer, uh, but now I write books a little bit and do some other stuff. So it's been uh, about three months every year at the end of an inlet in Canada. And my nearest neighbor is 10,000 square miles away. So I'm like part hippie, uh, like without the tie-dye t-shirts, uh, <laughs> but we grow our own food. We make our electricity off a glacier. We are off the grid. And then the other nine months I spend in San Diego. And uh, from that place in San Diego, we spend quite a bit of time overseas. Oh, that's fantastic. And I, you know, speaking of overseas, I read your book, Everybody Always, and you talked about your your experiences in Africa with, you know, dealing with getting people unafraid of the witch doctors, which was so fascinating to me. And now I saw that you put out a new book called Everybody Always for Kids. And I, I saw that the, the cover art was a little bit different. Yeah. So, so on Everybody Always... That. Yes. The, uh, the publisher said, you know, we'll, we'll print your book. I said, the only requirement is I get to pick the cover. And so I just didn't want something hokey or some clip art from something. So in the trade book, everybody always, since we have a witch doctor school in Uganda, I thought, what if we have all the witch doctors put their fingerprints on the cover of this book? And so the backstory is I tried death penalty cases against witch doctors, who sacrifice kids, which is actually really heavy stuff. 
But I also have a school where I teach them how to read and write. And the only books they have in which Dr. School to read and write is the Bible and Love Does. <laughs> so I put they put all their fingerprints. And then when it hit the Times, I called them up at class. I said, you guys, we just hit the New York Times. And the whole room went up for grabs. And then it settled down. And they said, What's the New York Times? I was just going to say, <laughs> did they know what that even was? No, not at all. I'm like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but the Love Does for Kids is we have a bunch of books for big kids like me and you, but not as many for like six or seven or eight-year-olds where parents could like read to them and then they could talk about this idea of what about loving everybody always, mm. even the people who creep you out a little bit. Right. Right. And so uh, when I read Everybody Always, you know, I never read ahead. So I had no idea what was coming at the end of the book with the fingerprints. And so I have to encourage everybody, if you haven't read Everybody Always, please do and don't skip ahead because the end of the book is just, it's such a powerful, powerful statement. It's, it ended, it's ended up being one of my favorite books. It's actually on the bookshelf behind me. Oh, uh, I'm so honored to make the bookshelf. No, Thank it's you. really, really good. So so now you're, you've written these books. Do you have another book coming or is everybody... Yes. I just, no, I just turned it in. I'm actually 24 days late right now, but I turned in the first one. And I think this next book is going to be about living lives without all the distractions that we have. Mm. And so it'll be, I think this whole idea that like, I don't think that I don't see the devil around every corner as some people do, but I do see this idea that uh, the darkness wants to distract us. It doesn't want to destroy us because mm. if I get distracted, then I'll take you down with me. That's I'll right. I'll take the next person, the person that you love down with you and all that. So I just want to like live undistracted. And so that's very much the arc of this next book. And so much of where I think it's always you're writing to the time that you're in. And so I think there's just a lot of people that are distracted. They're distracted. Religious people are distracted and People that don't believe any of the above are distracted and uh, people in the marketplace are distracted and raising kids and high school, everybody's distracted. Yeah. So I think what could we do to replace some of that distraction with purpose, mm. um, not with just more activities, like uh, you're a hard worker, you've excelled in everything you've put your shoulder into, but yet we can get distracted by our work. Wouldn't you say that would be something in your world to say like, how do I find that breaking yes. point between life stuff and work stuff. How do you navigate that? Well, it's interesting you say that because I, it's, I, I feel that distraction is one of the main challenges that I face as an adult, you know, distraction between a very busy uh, job and a very busy family and you have social media and I have a large circle of friends and just all the different things that are happening in the news, you know, especially over the past year. But interestingly, the quarantine sort of forced me to, take some of those distractions off the shelf. And, you know, with working from home, you're looking at things in a new way. And so it sort of opens up your mind to new possibilities where I think previously I may have felt trapped by the distractions. And now I feel like I'm, I'm a lot more empowered to decide what I allow in my life if I really want to accomplish some, you know, different and new goals for who I am as a person. Yeah, so I think that's where I found myself over the past year. So, I mean, quarantine has been difficult, but it's also been a gift in, in eliminating some of those distractions. Yeah, maybe finding a task that's worth focusing on. Because mm -hmm. if it's just like if the, the task is the next movie or, uh, right. or the next thing, it's not a bad thing. That's awesome. Go for it. But to say what's something that would you would give 
all of your time to. And what mm. I would ask is, what would you give your life for? And that's what I'd give my time to. Mm. So I wouldn't give my life for Breaking Bad. I mean, it's a great show, I suppose, but it's like, I'm not going to give my life for that. Right. Uh, but a little girl in the capital of the Taliban in Afghanistan, I'm like, that would, if I could give 200 of them a shot at an education, yeah, I'd trade. For sure. Yeah, for <laughs> so, sure. That's worthwhile. But what we're doing is we're saying, like, we're uh, having ourselves filled with idleness. Like, you're just, I'm not saying productivity, but just things that aren't meaningful. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've been going around. If you can keep a secret, I've been geocaching things for my kids, uh, notes for them everywhere I go. Of course you have. That's a very bombed off thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I dig down and I can find the latitude and longitude on the iPhone and I bury it and attached to my will are all the things I buried for them because I told them I'm going to die penniless. Your inheritance are my friends. And so, and what you're going to get is one round trip ticket around the world and you have to keep going left and you can just find all the stuff I buried for you guys. And uh, so that would be a reason to live an undistracted life. I want to think of the next thing I would want to say to my kids. I want to tell them what to do. I want to remind them who they are. Now that just whoops any TV series that you're watching. Like I just yeah, and do the same thing. It isn't like you binary. You don't have to decide Mm -hmm. one or the other. I just say like, just fill your life with some stuff that would outlast you. Mm. No, I think that's great. That's a very NASCAR way to do your, your will, you know, just oh, keep turning like left around the world to get your, <laughs> to find the things. That's I like awesome. that. Uh, hopefully, without, some, hopefully some NASCAR drivers will hear what your idea was and they'll do the same with their kids. I love that. <laughs> I was the wrecking turn team four. And I said, like, meet all my friends now. You don't want to meet them at the wake. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I'm going to live to be 150, but in the <laughs> unlikely event, I don't. Uh, what I want to do is leave some things behind for the generations that follow. You know, so some of us in, during the quarantine have learned how to work from home, but you actually went and got a hold of a very large parcel of land out in Southern California that you're calling the Oak. So tell us a little bit about what you what you plan for that. What are your ideas? Oh, there? massive amounts of mischief. I just <laughs> want it to be a place where people can just like just deal with their ish. <laughs> just whatever it is. Just if you need just a deep breath of fresh air, you go get that. And some people will need to get their marriages in order and others will need to get their own spirituality in order. And others want to just read a good book and mm-hmm. all make the cocoa. I just got off the line before you and I spoke uh, about with a guy who's going to let me have access to 900 acres of his property. I'm getting six dune buggies. Those like go fast across. And I'm like, oh, we are going to get into some mischief. So I'm figuring out how much insurance it's going to cost. Because <laughs> <I would laughs> there's going to be bit. some flames. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so is that where the is that where the cattle is or is that a different part? Yeah. So uh, next to the Oaks, which is to the foot, the same size as Disneyland. It's 168 acres. But next to that, I have a couple hundred acres and it's an equestrian center where we have 25 horses. They're not mine. Uh, 22 of the 25 are racehorses that are owned by like syndicates of people. And I have a racetrack and I've never gone to a horse race, but I have a horse racing track. And so we lost so much money having an empty camp during COVID, but we are making bank on the horses. So, wow. uh, so 
So I have jockeys and I'm the tall man on campus because I'm like six, like six, and they're like four foot six. Yeah. So it's so awesome. Since we had all these fields, I thought we can have cows. Have you seen a Scottish Highland cow? In pictures, not in person. Oh, you you are about to, you got to come over. I'll and be there so in late you, April. I know. And so <laughs> these Scottish Highland cows are like cattle doodles. They're, it's like a cow <laughs> together with uh, some kind of doodle because uh, they're about four feet tall and they're uh, they're shaggy. And uh, their bangs are over their eyes. They're so cool. That's awesome. So now I am herding cattle. This is a long way from being a trial lawyer. And here's my point. What I want us to do is make those kind of bold moves that you're all about. I want to say, would it be a bold move to quit my entire law firm, give it away and say, I'm going to like just herd my cattle from Mm -hmm. one place on the farm to another place on the farm. And I think it's a really high calling. There's more to it than that. I'm going to bring people along with me. We'll do like city slickers without the whole couple days out in the uh, high desert. But what I want to do is have people have an experience where they walk away changed. Mm. No, that's awesome. And so tell a little bit about the dream big idea, because you've done workshops for that and you've written a book on that. And now you're doing online virtual classes. Is that something that you're going to host at the Oaks sometime as well? Yes, we actually uh, are taking people and doing some of their ambitions uh, for the last five days we've been uh, filming for the Magnolia Channel. And, uh, and we're doing a like a little series on dreaming big and to say like, what is it? And the underlying principle is this, know what you want, why you want it, and what you're going to do about it. Mm. And so for the people listening to say, what do you want? And I say like, uh, easy for me, like candy corn. I love that stuff. I, I, when I die, I want to put the candy corn in a jar right next to me. Um, <laughs> so I love candy corn, but it doesn't pass the why you want it test. Because what I want is like, I, I suppose I want the buzz of candy corn, but what I really want is something that's more lasting than that. Right. So I say like, so what would be more lasting than that? What I want would be a family that is uh, has their feet on the ground. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to tell them what to believe or what to do. I'm not trying to manipulate their conduct, but I want them to have like a wide stance so that they're not easily pushed over. I want my friends to have a wide stance to say like this is. Uh, we're pretty immovable on a couple of these things, but they're just laced with kindness. Uh, I'm a lawyer. I've got an opinion about everything, but the difference between me and some of the people that I know in the courtroom, I leave it in the thought bubble. Like mm. I don't let it out. I just right. like, I'm thinking it. It's a revolutionary I mean, idea. Yes. But to just be like, just leave it in the thought bubble for a little bit. Sure. So, no, what I want, I don't want to win arguments anymore, which is yeah. really weird for a guy who wins arguments for a living. Mm. I've never lost a case in 32 years. And it's not because I'm an awesome lawyer. I'm an awesome picker. I only pick cases nobody could lose. (laughs) (laughs) You could get a spotted dog to win like the case. You just win because you're right. And so what I want to do is pass by a couple of the things that are the distractions, but that that aren't worth winning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And most of the crazy part is most of the arguments we're in aren't worth winning. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
There's a couple, even uh, one of the guys that wrote in the Bible, Paul said to uh, like make a defense for the stuff that you're hoping for, like the stuff that you hope the most about. But he said this, he said, do it with kindness and respect. And I think sometimes people get the first thing, they're ready to make a defense. They want to be the big advocate, but they don't do it with kindness and respect. Mm -hmm. So what do I want? I want to deal with people with kindness, respect, even if they're a jerk, even if they're a flaming jerk, like you can leave that in the thought bubble. I don't need to say you're an abs. Earth will square things up with them. Right. No, (laughs) it's so true. Tidy up heaven will. Like, and I just don't need to be of the, uh, the umpire calling balls and strikes. I want to be the base coach saying, Missy, you run your race. How can I be helpful? That's what I want to do. I want to be helpful. I want to be available to you and just get caught up in the vortex as you are like making moves. Cause you are, I I just want to be anywhere in the the blast radius of what you're doing. So let me just turn the tables on you. Like, what do you want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do about it? Oh, that's a great question. And I've wanted to do this ever since I was in high school. Uh, I had a a fantastic youth pastor named Jeff Vandervoort, who truly showed me what it meant for someone to let the love of Jesus shine through them onto everyone that he was around. And so he had such a dramatic impact on all of us in the youth ministry that it, it just, it it definitely showed me that I wanted to live my life for Jesus, but uh, life got in the way of that. You know, I went off to college and got different jobs and ended up in the tech world. And the tech world has been just fantastic to me, but the, still the best part about it are the people that I get to work with and the people that I get to meet. And so I want to, you know, after learning over the last decade, you know, thankfully my, my mentor and CEO, Rob, has been great at teaching me what empathy means because empathy is not something with which I'm naturally gifted. But as I learn more about how to how to wield empathy as a tool for the betterment of everyone around me, I've learned that, you know, as as you meet people who believe different things than you or have different beliefs or opinions, like you said, I don't have to be the one, you know, to get into an argument with them. I can just love them because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes in their life. Everyone's fighting a battle you don't know about. Everyone has potential trauma in their past that's affected why they believe the way they believe. And all of those things are valid. So if I'm just going to be a good human being, I want to respect everybody around me and I want to write things and say things and and post things that help other people maybe see the world and see the people around them in a new light. See, that surprises me when you said like empathy doesn't come naturally to you because I would have guessed it differently. You're just so like warm and engaging. Is it because you're hard charging? You're like, let's get her done. Yeah. I, like, hey, I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of time for that. Like, let's get her done. Most definitely. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily have, because we, we built a company sort of from the ground up, you know, and we were all wearing all the hats and we all worked really hard that it just became a, you know, I, I, what do you mean you have feelings about this particular thing? Just do it, just get it done. Why are you letting your feeling, you know, why am I having to stop and deal with emotions, you know, because I wasn't having them. And so I figured if I didn't have the emotions about it, other people didn't have the emotions about it. And so I wasn't necessarily being empathetic to how they were feeling because not everybody is the same personality type as me. And I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm a challenger. I'm like, what needs to get done? Let's get it done. But I didn't realize, you know, years ago that I was leaving people's feelings in a wake of destruction as I, you know, bombarded through their lives. Isn't that neat to have somebody who's a mentor in your life? And we all have them in all of our lives 
they kind of hold a mirror up to you mm-hmm. and you say, this is what I see when I see you. And he's really good at that, at doing that with complete truth. Like there was no, you know, when he holds the mirror up to you, it doesn't feel good, right? It's pain, it's a painful process to take a moment and really see damage you might've caused, you know, that hurts. But if you are capable of self-analysis and, you know, capable of doing work to improve yourself, then, you know, what, what, what else, what other choice was me, was there for me, but to say, Hey, other people's feelings really matter to me. And I need to, I need to do the work to get to that point where I can let them know that I value that. Yeah. Talk about a bold move to hold a mirror up to the people that you love and to say, I want to speak this with a hundred percent truth and a hundred percent love. And, and this isn't the big coil up for, so now here's some bad news, but to say, when I see you, I see somebody incredibly engaged. Are you like receiving this? I see somebody with a, a ton of capabilities that I hope don't become impediments because you're so capable mm. that some people will say like, oh, let's get you doing more tech because you're so capable of that. But you have this beautiful blossoming side. You just really want other people to find meaning and purpose in their life. And so I see you in this mirror as a person trying to sort out at this crossroads. How do I do both? How can I both mm-hmm. be is my capabilities, but not have those be impediments? Wouldn't that be like, it's sometimes can feel awkward to receive that or hear that, but just say like, nailed it. Or if somebody says, this is what I see. And you go like, no, I'm not seeing that. Then to ask yourself to say, what do I see and why? I think if we have that kind of clarity, those kind of conversations, not maybe with everybody, but certainly not with nobody. <laughs> right. Let's have them. And for some people listening, that could feel like a really bold move. Yeah. And you have to approach it with a ton of humility, right? Humility and curiosity, because you have to be humble enough to say, okay, maybe I messed that up, but curious enough to go, well, why did I mess that up? And how can I do better? Because if yeah. not, then you never improve. And then you, you basically just sit around watching Breaking Bad and getting into the next, next Netflix series and yes. not doing anything to you know, evolve as a human being, you know, because I what? want to continue evolving. It's a journey and there's, there's really no destination you know, because we'll never achieve perfection. And that's certainly not what I'm striving for, but I definitely want to be better today than I was yesterday. I would say like maybe get from Burger King or something. One of those, like rate your customer experience. Right. Yes. (laughs) Not to people you're talking to, your, the colleagues that you work with, maybe your spouse to say, Mm -hmm. what's your customer experience with me? Exactly. Because I, you know, we, I think about that a lot at our work, you know, because we have 800 employees that we're responsible for. And, you know, I love our company and what we do and the tech and all that and, and the innovation and being in the, the bleeding edge of technology is, is really fun for me. But I've come to enjoy the, the people, you know, so much more helping them see what's good in them and helping them, you know, take whatever that next step is so that they can be the best versions of themselves. That's what lights me up. Yeah. So we started by talking about leading a life that's undistracted. And uh, it's leading a life that's very purposeful will keep you from being undistracted. But I want us to do, to your point, like bold, courageous things. Like what's your next courageous move to get there for each of us to say there's easy things. There's like, it's Monday, so it's trash day. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But I learned from my neighbor, Pat, who like gets on a Gulf Stream every day and goes somewhere. Uh, He was rattling around on the side of my 
yard. I'm like, what the world is Pat doing on the side of my yard? And I realized he was taking my garbage out. I'm like, oh, buddy. Like, no, I'm still ambulatory. I I was mortified. Oh, no. (laughs) And we're arguing about my trash can as he's like hauling it towards the street. And then I get out to the street and I see he's taken out everybody's trash can up and down the road. He really believes this idea of loving your neighbor. Mm. Uh, And he's, you know, big shot in his world, but he gets this idea of like just loving your neighbor. And then when he gets home at night, he puts them all away. I'm like, it mortifies me, but it's for, for all of us to think of like a big, beautiful thing, maybe not across an ocean, but across the street. And then if he's doing something so kind like that, it would be an unkindness to not let him. Yes, exactly. It just, he just delights in doing that. That's awesome. So I guess to, uh, to your point, a bold move can sometimes be a really simple move. Yes. It can involve like, just make a pie for your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Because I know if they don't want it, like I do, how about you? I mean, like Blueberry crumble all day long. Like, <laughs> just send it over. I don't. I've never met a pie I didn't get along with. Uh, <laughs> but what if you just say, "I'm going to start at the across the street, yeah. and then instead of going to the ends of the earth, I'm going to go to the end of the street." Right. And then what I'm going to do is love people without an agenda. Like, I'm going to have an agenda for me, but Missy, I don't have an agenda for you. My agenda for me is to be available to you and. If I can be helpful, then I'm in. Uh, and sometimes being helpful means just like peacing out, like just sure. bug people. You're trying to be helpful. <laughs> so, okay. Let me ask you this then. So, you know, we, I definitely want to convince people to take whatever that next bold step is for them, whatever that means for them. And it could be something that's small to me, but what is something that you've done in the past 12 months that you, Bob Goff would consider it a bold move, even for Bob Goff? Cause you've taken a lot of bold moves in your life, but like, what's something where you go, okay, that was bold even for me. Oh, okay. I'll give you an example uh, close to home and far away. So close to home is uh, we planted a vineyard. I've told you about, mm-hmm. and I don't drink wine. I, I've had three glasses my whole life and I'm 62. So I don't drink wine, but I just seem so biblical to do. And it seems like a lot of fun for people, like all for men and everybody else can drink it. I, I don't even know. <laughs> we evidently have six types. People ask me, like, what kind of grapes? I'm like, mm-hmm. round? Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was a bold move because it ain't cheap to put in a vineyard. And I don't even know if all the vines will die or live or whatever, but we'll do our best. I'm more like build a plane while you're flying it. So that felt a little bit bold, but I think it's going to work out That's uh, awesome. it's been a couple of years, evidently, but I'm like, good. The thing I've learned about uh, vines in vineyards, their roots go down 40 feet. Wow. I didn't crazy? know that. Yeah, yeah. That's why when you see like Napa and it's, uh, it's all like kind of arid, <clears throat> but the uh, grapes are like vines are bright green. It's because the roots are down 40 feet. And so to get that, you need to rip through what's called the plow pan, like the thing that's 15 inches down just below all the discs that's Mm -hmm. it's like hard as concrete. And so if you don't do that, then the roots go shallow. And so because my life, I think in parables, I go, that's it. So that's what it's up close. It felt bold, but what the heck? I've never done it before. It sounds fun. And I hate mowing lawns. So it's just like a lawn you don't need to mow. What's the uh, label going to be on the wine? You know, uh, because the camp is called uh, Oaks, 
I thought we'd call it like Oaks Reserve, nice. but it could be like, you know, I, I don't know, pretty good wine. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gallo's spoken for. $2 I think that one's taken. Yeah. So uh, the Think Far Away, we started a school in the capital of the Taliban uh, in Afghanistan a couple of years ago. And we go like several times a year just because it encourages the teachers so much to see us because they know yeah. it's a lot riskier for us to do it, but it's actually kind of risky for them to do it. We're starting our second school and it's on the border of Iran between Afghanistan and Iran right there. Wow. So it feels a little risky, but it also feels really exciting. Like I just go like, this is going to be awesome. And uh, it's a little unnerving flying into Afghanistan because I definitely don't blend in. Oh, so no. I always stop in Istanbul and change clothes. And this beard like helps a little bit. But um, but I'm just so hopeful about what might change. You give a girl a book, Malali has said that so well. Like uh, that will just terrify the terrorists mm-hmm. if you give a girl a book. And just, just get out of their way. We don't believe in empowering women because we just think you're already powerful. And we just want to get out of your way. Let that's us awesome. give you an education and get out of the way. And then you go decide what you believe. No, that's fantastic. And so how does that school continually run in Afghanistan without interference from the Taliban or terrorists or whatever? Well, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> We've had our setbacks already. I see. Uh, but we're like, we just keep, they tear it up and we just get back to school. I see. We turn all the desks back over and, um, and they get busy. Wow. <laughs> Awesome. Where so, did you plant the first school? Where'd you put the first one? that, that you did Sharif in the northern part of Afghanistan. If you've seen, there's a movie out there, 12 Men Strong. Yes. That's Mazar al-Sharif. <laughs> yes, Mazar al-Sharif was definitely depicted in that movie with the horses. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which I'm- Four, Chris Hemsworth. Asked somebody to teach me how to play that game. And I've got a guy who said he'll do that. Um, so what I want to do though, is I'm great at pioneering things. I like starting things, mm-hmm. not much like people that are familiar with that idea of a pioneer versus a settler. So I'm not much of a settler. Mm-hmm. I want to pioneer the next thing. And so for people listening to say, what's your ambition? What's a bold move? Why do you want it? Is it going to do this like lasting? And then are you a pioneer or a settler? You, my best guess are a pioneer. Uh, that you just loved. Let me add it. Like, uh, but we want to like have this uh, dual purpose. We could be pioneers as to some things, but like settlers, like when it comes to your family, Mm want to actually uh, not treat my family like I'm just going to try to squeak them in, in between the startup that I'm constantly like you and I are like, so engaged, like I like starting stuff. And so that means being super intentional about saying, like, I'm just not going to be distracted when I'm at home. Mm. Like maybe a little less screen time or a little less, whatever it is that's just making you be in proximity with one another, sure. with the people that you love, rather than fully present with the people that you love. And so that's it. I, I forget if I told you, I think I did, but I've, that 40-foot water tower we've got, yes. I was down the rungs and I was mm-hmm. going to go up there. Yeah, I told you. I, great story. I was, 
couple of days ago and I was looking at where it's going to go up this thing because I didn't want to like fall off of it because yeah. it goes up quite a ways. And I was about to start climbing and I looked down at my feet and there's a rattlesnake at my feet. Yikes. Like six feet away from me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so busy thinking about where I was going to go that I didn't think about where I was standing right now. And so <laughs> that kind of situational, that would have been an awesome story if I got bit. Uh, maybe that will come later. But <laughs> to just realize where you're at, mm. right, rather than obsessing about where you're going. Um, right. And so do both. You don't have to just have your heads down. That's not a good way to climb up a 40-foot tower. Sure. Um, but just to realize where you're at and then decide where you're going. So for those that want to take this bold move that you're doing, say, where am I at right now? I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling broke. I'm feeling just take a, a self-assessment. I'm afraid of failure. I'm but just do an honest assessment and then just say, where do I want to get? And mm. so how do I get from where I am to where I want to go? And so it seems so elementary, but it just takes you and me slowing down from our frenetic life to just say, like, so where am I at right now? Like, really, mm. really. And so as you take these bold moves over your life, I mean, I know you're you're a pioneer, but I think from everything you said in your books and from meeting her, that Sweet Maria is more of a settler. Oh, capital S. Yeah. She's so you're the balloon that. and she's the string. Yes. That so is- how does she react? What did she say when you said, I think I'm going to buy 162 acres uh, and I'm going to build a vineyard. Like, how does she respond? You know, as you're taking bold moves, you know, obviously we have to consider the other people in our lives. And so how does that yeah. work with her? Yeah. So she's smarter than both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you do the math on that, that's actually difficult. He's really but, smart. Yeah. So, but I think we've just realized our differing, uh, wonderfully different roles. This idea of becoming one doesn't mean become the same. Mm. It means be like a one, like we're in this together, but we have different ways that we go about doing that. So I think she appreciates that that is like oxygen to me to be able to take an idea and run with it. And then to have a little bit of a track record, there's not like sure. a column of smoke rising for my last five screw ups. Like <laughs> last time, Maybe it'll work again. Who knows? But uh, to be respectful, that, that idea of kindness and respect mm. to say like, I know this sounds nuts, but just like, listen for a moment. And, uh, and I don't, I've done things that made less sense than this, but I really think if I want to stay in San Diego, because now I'm a grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be really something to do while I'm here. I could clip coupons and we could save a couple bucks. But what if we did a retreat center? It's like you deciding to do a podcast. Like you're really busy, but you carved out time to do this because you thought it might help. Right. And so I think in the same way, we're thinking the same thing. Maybe this will help some people like, get the rest that they need. No, and plus she gets to create all of her intentional spaces there at the Oaks. You know, she's really good at that yes, part. We can't wait to have you there. Oh, I can't really. wait. And so if there was one piece of advice you would give someone who is thinking about dreaming big and taking that next step of boldness in their lives, what, what would be the advice you would give? Oh, yeah. So first, let's look down at our feet and figure out where we're at. Mm-hmm. Where are we at in relationships? Or do they tend to be like, really thin. Like, are you snorkeling or are you scuba diving? (laughs) (laughs) Like, where are you at in your faith? Like all the above, none of the above, wherever you are, Buddhist or Baptist, Mm -hmm. but to just say like, so where are you at? 
And then I'd say, where do you want to go? And so about 40 rungs up the ladder, let's just think of you plus 10. So me plus 10, I hope I have 30 grandchildren that are nine and a half years old. <laughs> That's what I want. I want to like, I want to make hoodies that say make people. Um, so, <laughs> so think of whatever, if you're listening and you're 25, so add 10 and go like, what's 35 year old version of me? And, uh, and to say like, so what would that person be? So that's up the ladder. That's where you're looking at. And to say, what are the things I need to do to get there? Maybe you need to let go of some habits that are slowing you down. Maybe you're keeping your relationships super shallow because you're just as insecure as me. And so what you need to do is just go a little bit deeper, maybe find a couple safe people to say, I know what my life looks like. Let me tell you what it really is. And to say like that kind of vulnerability and honesty will actually open up some really neat relational doors uh, for you. It's not a reward for vulnerability. It's a byproduct. Mm, That's great. And yeah, I'm a big fan of therapy also and helping people figure out how did they get to where they are right now? Because sometimes it's pretty hard to unravel considering what's happened in your past if you you know, haven't studied trauma and, you know, all the effects of those things and what, what it might be doing to hold you back today. Because I think we're held back by a lot of things that we don't even realize from our past. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, and then be a note taker. Like when I just thought about that idea of like, it's not a reward, it's like a result or a byproduct. Then what I did before that butterfly flew away, what I just did is I misspelled it, but I got the gist of what I just said. And I made a little note for myself. I just said, like, Boop. I want to like not have that thing fly away. So at the end of the day, you'll know you're not doing a good job when people say, how was your day? And you say, fine, how was yours? Mm-hmm. I just go like, no, there was like so much more. I, I talked to Missy and we talked about life and bold moves. And, and then I, I remember thinking like a vulnerability, like that it's not a reward. There's like the relationship part is the result. You go like, just made so much doesn't matter if it made sense to anybody else, but there was a, a uh, I think it was Aerosmith song from the 70s about that acronym FINE. It's not fit to be repeating, but F doesn't start for FINE. It's like <laughs> I is for insecure and the N is neurotic and E is emotional. Right. That's right. <laughs> I'm not FINE. <laughs> That's not my goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Bob, thank you so much. You've shed so much light on all your bold moves and and how we can find joy, I think, in being bold. And even though it's scary, taking those next steps to fulfill our purposes and our callings are, you know, things that that really the stuff of life is made of. You know, we were made for more than than being distracted all the time. Yeah. And then just think for your listeners as you're wrapping this up, like, what's your next bold move? Mm-hmm. Like, what would be, and God never compares what he creates. So it doesn't matter whether your bold move would be somebody else's bold move, but what would be the bold move? Send the text, say, I'm sorry, Mm. pick up the call. And if you're single, say, you know, how about a date? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you go like, no, I'm just saying heaven is leaning over the rails. Just hoping you will Uh, do everything with kindness and respect. Mm. 100% truth. 100% 100% love. So good. Well, Missy, you are my teacher. I am your student. I'm just so glad. <laughs> ditto, Bob. Ditto. And such a delight to just do some life together. I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. This is going to be killer. Me too. Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate you coming on the show. You bet. 
Wow, how cool was that conversation with Bob Goff? I think one of my favorite things about Bob is that he makes taking risks look easy. He sort of has this way of taking the fear out of something that might be too scary for us to do, which I love because I think we all need to get braver at taking bolder risks with our lives in pursuit of our calling. If this conversation blessed you, enriched you, excited you, motivated you, please share it. Please share it with others on social media. Please rate it. Please review it. It really does help. And I look forward to sharing more content with you as we go on with this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Boldly Go podcast. And I will see you soon. This is Missy Young signing off.